What is the little way of St. Therese of Lisieux? She was a French Carmelite nun in the like late 1800s. She died at the age of 24 from tuberculosis. She is considered one of the greatest saints to have ever lived. A good few years ago now in Ireland, they brought her relics. So they brought like her bones and more than half of the population of Ireland, so this was in the late 90s, came to pray at her relics. It was the most extraordinary thing. I, I saw it myself, not just during the day, and it wasn't just all grannies and granddads. This was everybody. This was all ages. I turned up in the middle of the night, like it was after 12 o'clock at night, and the line of people went out the gate. And this was like a long, long driveway into this place, Carmelite place. And they were out the gate and they were coming from the pub after the pub closed. I mean, it was amazing. And people had the most extraordinary experiences. There was all of these miracles. It was all testified on radio and all sorts of things, incredible miracles that happened when her relics came to Ireland. And she died at 24. And everybody knows who she is. Every Catholic knows St. Therese. Most Catholic churches have a statue of St. Therese, the little flower she's sometimes called. Who was she? What was the heart of her doctrine? What was it that she did to get so holy so quickly? She called it her little way. And lots of people talk about the little way, but you don't always get an explanation of what it really means. My understanding of the little way is it's really the heart of the gospel. So if you understand her little way, you just understand the gospel. It's funny, often we can be doing, doing our Christian thing, but kind of miss the heart of it. Maybe ticking lots of boxes, but some of the most important and sometimes the most simple stuff that could bring us the most fruit, the most blessing we, we just miss. She talks really frankly about being a bit discouraged by all the all the great saints and she'd read their lives and she'd read about, you know, how little they ate and how long they prayed for and how incredibly virtuous they were and how they didn't do anything that most normal people do. They did everything else. And she was just, she would sort of lose hope, just kind of go, I can't do that. I'm too weak. I'm too small. Yeah, I just can't do it. Do you ever feel that way? I certainly have. So she really just went to God and said, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be another way. And she went looking in the scriptures and she went just in, in prayer to God, uh, really praying to know a, a very simple way to get to God. And the, and the little way was her answer to this. When she was explaining it, she would talk about two, I suppose, virtues, two attitudes to have. On the one hand, humility. On the other hand, what she usually called confidence, but you could also call trust. So humility and trust. Now, they're obviously very biblical, like Jesus talked about this stuff all the time. So where is this rooted in, in Jesus' teaching? If you remember back to when Jesus talked about being like a child, there's a couple of times when the apostles were, were getting a bit full of themselves. So he, he took a little, little kid, put this little boy in front of them and said, you must become like this little child. In fact, one of the words he uses means uh, a newborn or even a pre-born baby. Unless you turn and become like a little newborn baby, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, is what he said. He said this a couple of times in different, different gospels it's recorded. Really, really dramatic statement. Unless you change and become like a little child. Now, most of our lives, especially when we're younger, we can't wait till we're big. But now that we're big, we really need to focus on how, how do, what is this? What does it mean to be little? What does it mean to be a child? What does it mean to be a newborn, a pre-born baby? And what can we learn from this? Well, newborn babies, they completely depend upon their, their parents, especially upon their mother. 
They can't feed themselves. They can cry. They're really good at crying and sleeping and going to the bathroom. That's like their expertise. They've got like a PhD in that. Everything else, being cute, they can be cute. But apart from that, they, they really can't do anything. You have to do everything for them. And Jesus says, unless you become like this, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. He backs this up then in John's gospel at the Last Supper when he says this outrageous statement. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Outrageous, right? Because you're thinking, I can scratch my nose. <laughs> Look at that. Jesus didn't turn up and do it for me. Putting that aside for the moment, there's something very true. Jesus is the truth. So when he says something, it is true. And if you dig into it and explore it, you'll find it is actually true. Because right, you didn't make yourself, did you? No, you didn't. You didn't make the finger that scratched your nose, nor the nose that you just scratched. He made it. So apart from him, you couldn't do that, right? So even on that way, it's, it's true. But there's something more important. There's more relational that he's teaching us rather than some philosophical observation. Apart from him, we can do nothing. What he's saying is, remember, you are a little child and I'm like your parent. In fact, I'm far more important than your parent. And just as a newborn baby, just they don't try and do things all by themselves. They just rely. And when they need something, they cry. So that's a great starting point. And that's kind of the starting point of St. Therese's little way. She just kind of almost gave up on trying to do it herself. She's like, I cannot be like one of the great saints. And that's where we're supposed to start. But in our pride, we're like, oh, I have to do this thing. And we get all, we enter into striving. It's like, I have to make myself holy and then he'll love me, which is the total opposite of what the gospel is. This is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. St. John tells us. It's not that you do something and then you're good enough and then he'll love you. It's that you're just, there you are, like a newborn baby, you've just arrived, plop, and you can do nothing to be loved. Now you could try and strive, right, and get busy and spend the rest of your life chasing something that he wants to give you for free. But what he says is, no, no, stop. Just be who you are and realize that I, in my love, completely love and accept you I have done everything for you. I've saved you and redeemed you. Just receive it as a baby would. Have you ever danced with somebody who isn't a good follower? Or if you're a good follower, but they're not a good leader, it can't really go, go anywhere, can it? It gets really awkward. And if the person's not a good follower, it's just so awkward. It's really like this between us and God. So it's like a dance. Okay, and you don't have to. He asks, would you like to dance? He's not going to force you. If you say no, you go, okay, walk back across the, the, the dance floor a bit later. Would you like to dance now? No, okay. He keeps trying all your life. He keeps trying and inviting you to dance. He is the best leader ever. He knows the dance moves that you are created to do, the ones that are, will make you look the best in your life and that will bring the greatest glory to God and the greatest joy to your soul. Do you resist when God tries to maybe move you this way or suggest this thing or let's look at this sin. Oh, how do you resist? Or do you go along with it? If you could learn to be like a child, a good follower, to, to uh, humble yourself and realize, I don't know the dance moves. I need someone to help me. But on the other hand, to really trust and let him lead you. And when he, even if it's something that's, oh, that's a bit of a spin, that's a bit scary. Just trust him. He knows. He knows the dance moves. He knows what will be the most amazing, the most beautiful, the most fulfilling for you. Just trust him. Because when you do that, when you have a good leader and a good follower, it is so beautiful. And everyone around goes, wow. And it's, it's glorious. And, and other dancers near you kind of stop. I go, this is the way it's supposed to be. Why can't you dance like that? <laughs> Hopefully they don't do that. Other people notice and they are blessed by it. And that's what it's like when you see a saint. When you see someone, just a regular Catholic, who's just doing their best to follow God. 
other people see it. It's like, wow, that's really something's going on there. There's like a glow of that person's life. There's a joy, there's a beauty because it's, it's, they're letting Jesus shine through them in the dance of their life. For me, this is how I understand St. Therese's little way. She just humbled herself, realized she, she can't do what she's supposed to do. She can't be a great saint on her own, but also that she doesn't have to. So she then just entirely entrusts herself and all of her sanctification, all of her life, all of her efforts, everything to Jesus. Jesus, I can't, but you can. And then as, as she starts to let him and started to let him lead her and prompt her, she just went along with everything. Whatever he asked, she just went along with. That's the scary bit. That's the beautiful bit. That's the transformative bit. That's where Jesus once again becomes flesh upon the earth. That's what he wants to do in your life, in my life. So let's do our lousy best to let him. God bless you.